Anyway, I have just a simple question before we start with our scripture, and I think the children may best be able to answer this one for me. So do you go to second grade before you've gone to first grade? Anybody? I see some heads shaking. Can you go to high school before you've gone to middle school? No, not at all. Can you go to first grade before kindergarten? No, that just doesn't make any sense. In our lives, we live step by step by step. And what has happened in the past doesn't control the future, but it does inform the future. And where we've been has something to say to where we are and to where we're going. So today our scripture lesson uh, comes to us from the book of Isaiah. And you'll hear Isaiah speak into the journey of the people of God. What does it mean all these thousands of years that have already preceded us? And them too, we have even more thousands of years that have preceded us. But what does it mean that we are a people on a journey that started thousands of years ago and that's not over yet. So if you'll stand, um, you'll, uh, we'll read together this, this three verses from Isaiah. And they might be familiar to you. They're just beautiful words that we hear from time to time. But I'll be reading from Isaiah chapter 40 beginning with the 28th verse. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. And let us pray. Gracious God, indeed, we stand in a long line of pilgrims who have journeyed through this life with you. Help us, Lord, to know that because of all that you have already done for us in our lives, because of all that you have already done in this world, that we can count on you for today and that we can count on you tomorrow and the day after and the day after that one. Lord, help us to continue to journey on with you. For it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So if you've been around for a few weeks, you know that we are beginning on this journey called Harrison Next. And we're looking at what it might be that God has in store for us in the future. Kyle referenced the Bible study. And whether or not you can do that, we ask for your prayers and, and your thoughts. And then toward the end of October, the very last weekend in October, we'll all come together. And you're invited for that as well to, to speak into where you hear God leading this church. And so as part of that, we, we have been doing some history, some looking into what has happened here in this place for 200 years, give or take. 
How is it that God has worked through those who gather here, who have worshipped on these grounds? How is it that God has provided? How is it that God has corrected? How is it that God has forgiven? How is it that God has called us to take the next step? And one of our historians in the church came up and and brought me this passage that she had found in a book. I think it's titled Methodism in Western North Carolina. I think that's the title. But I want you to hear these words. I'm going to read them because I just think they're classic. And be ready for some uh, 1800th language, some 19th century language, right? As the Presbyterian church preoccupied and held full possession of this area... And Providence Church had been organized in 1765. Every family that could afford a horse and a vehicle attended Providence. I guess a vehicle's a carriage. Every family that could afford a horse and a vehicle attended Providence. Only those who were too poor to have those conveyances attended Harrison. The old log meeting house, as it was called. And the new methods of Methodism were regarded scornfully. The best of society would have been ashamed to be seen at Harrison. Isn't that great? (laughs) I love that. Those who couldn't afford a horse or a mule or a buggy or, or these conveyances. What a great word. In this land that was preoccupied by Presbyterians. The scornfully poor attended Harrison. And these new methods of Methodism, and if you know a little bit about the whole Methodist-Presbyterian rivalry, you know that the Methodists are just too full of the spirits. Maybe, on our good days. The Methodists weave in experience of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> of the Holy Spirit? No. Of the Holy Spirit into this life that we call faith. And and when that first began, it was seen as a little suspicious. People didn't get up out of their chairs to praise and worship. They just sat there very politely. But, But I love this part of our history. I love who God has created us to be over the centuries. And it began with these scornful roots. And it began with these disdained activities of the methods of Methodism. And it began in a place where the best of society would not be seen on these grounds. I love it. Because in Scripture, God does God's best work with the outcasts. And God does God's best work with those whom God gives power. Remember, when we are weak, God is strong When we have sinned, God has forgiven. When we fall short, God builds up. And so if we start off knowing that these methods of ours are not adequate, then we're all the more likely to turn to God. As we have for centuries in this place, as we will continue to do this day and every day that comes. So we begin with this understanding of our history, and it it leads us into our future. And this is exactly what Isaiah is doing for God's people thousands of years ago. We're still going. Imagine that. 
These words are still going. It's not by human effort, but by divine inspiration. It's not by those who were scornfully regarded for any reason, but because God has seen fit to work in and through us, and God's long been doing this. Now, the people of God in Isaiah's time were in desperate straits. Isaiah is one of the longest books in the Bible, and it spans hundreds of years. And they think that not just one prophet, but three prophets helped to write this book and speak into the experience of God's people. They had made a mess of their lives. They had sinned and strayed from God. They weren't looking to God for guidance. They had transgressed and transgressed and transgressed and they found themselves with the mess that they had created and they got angry. And they began to wonder, where is God? Where is this one who called us together to only leave us now? It's so easy to question God in the difficult times, far more easy than it is to remember to praise God in the good times. So on the one hand, the Israelites had created this mess for themselves. On the other hand, there were outside forces bearing down on them. The king had died and the foreign armies were surrounding the land of Israel. Two kingdoms at this point. Foreign armies were surrounding the people of God. And the people had turned to these um, earthly rulers, these kings, for security and protection. And God didn't like that either. And so God stepped into that with the voice of Isaiah and called the people back to faithfulness. But how he began that was by calling them to remember what God had long been doing. The armies have surrounded you. Remember that God provides your protection, not these earthly forces. Pretty soon, these armies are going to carry you off into exile. Remember that God will provide for you no matter where you are. They thought that God was very much located to this one area. Some still do. No matter where you are, God will provide for you. No matter where you go, where you take, they're going to be enslaved. Things are going from bad to worse for the people of God. And yet God sends Isaiah to speak into that And to remind the people not to lose hope. And to remind the people to turn to God when times seem and are so very chaotic and desperate. And God speaks into this time then and now and says, people of God, don't you remember? Have you not heard? Do you not know? Why do you forget all that I have done for you? For thousands of years, for 200 years, yesterday, why do you forget? Have you not heard, do you not know that I'm not going anywhere? And that whether you're here and struggling or whether you're elsewhere and struggling, whether you fall short in sin, I, God, will be faithful As I have been faithful time and time and time again, my goodness does not depend on yours. Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) 
My grace does not depend on you. This is who I am. And I invite you still to be part of what I am doing And I invite you still, and I choose to use you, Harrison Church, now to guide and to lead and to witness and to be my presence of God, to be the presence of God today and tomorrow and to whatever comes next. People of God, this is who we are. Don't forget your past because it is so important to today and tomorrow. It's so important. We've fallen short. I know that. There's no, we don't glorify the past, but we learn from it. And we learn that we can count on God. And we learn that we can count on God's people. It's interesting. So much of the Bible can certainly be applied individually into our lives. When storms come our way and we remember what God has done and that God will forgive and that God will provide and sustain. Absolutely. But the Bible is written to a collective people, to the people called Israel, to the people called church. The Bible is written to a group of people through whom God chooses to work, through whom God counts on to be the blessing God wants to be in this world. And so we begin to catch on as we begin to remember all that God has done in the past. And how that gives us hope. I'm not sure if hope comes from without or within, from from our divine spirit or the divine spark within. I don't know, but I know that it is of God. And I know that this text in Isaiah speaks to that hope for today and tomorrow and the next day. And I know that that spirit lives yesterday and today and will be. And I know that this is how God chooses to work. Again and again and again. Do you not know? Have you not heard? I like how the, the translation of the message puts it. It says, God does not come and go. We are a fickle people, but God does not come and go. God lasts and he's the creator of everything you see. God doesn't tire out, doesn't pause to catch a breath. God, this God will give us strength. This God will energize us when we are tired. This God will pick us up when we fall. This God will continue to freshen our strength and we will soar like an eagle and run and not get tired. We will walk and not fall behind. This is how God behaves. And this is what we can count on in and through God for our future. Oftentimes, the journey of faith is compared to a pilgrimage, and and we are on this pathway with fellow pilgrims, all moving in a direction together. And several years ago, I I mentioned, well, just last year, I mentioned to you all that I had done a very short part of the Camino in Spain. It's an ancient uh, pilgrimage, 1,300 years old, I think, 500 miles long in total, and my group did about 78 or 80 miles. But anyway, all along the way, you are reminded of the past and how God has sustained and lifted up God's people and been with us on the journey. And and after I shared that about a year ago here, one of you gave me a book called I'll Push You. Have you heard about it? One of our our mom's group is getting ready to read it. But I'll Push You is about two friends who do 500 miles of the Camino together. 
And what is so unique about this group of these two friends is that one of them is in a wheelchair. And the other one pushes. And I want to show you just a clip. We're going to put this on our website, the whole the TED Talk. But anyway, you want to run it. Let's just look at a minute of it. All right, so this is good stuff. I'll just tell you the story. One of the friends, Justin, has a neurological disease. It's compared to ALS, but it's so newly diagnosed that they don't know how long he will live. He began to lose feeling in his feet, and then it progressed up his body until he's completely quadriplegic in a wheelchair. He can move his head, and he wanted to do this walk desperately, and his best friend said, I'll push you. I will do it with you. And so there's this story, and if we don't get it up here, which we're not going to do now, we're going to get it up on our website. And I just want to encourage you to watch it. It shows these two men going 500 miles up and down, beginning in the Pyrenees Mountain. And there's this one scene that is so beautiful where where they're struggling and the wheelchair is broken. One of the wheels has come off and and the friend can't do it on his own speed. And all of a sudden, these uh, strangers, but fellow pilgrims, surround the wheelchair and pick it up and carry it up one of those mountain peaks in the Pyrenees. And there's six of them carrying this chair and almost organically, as if by divine inspiration, when one gets tired and has to drop back, another one from a line that has formed behind them pops up and takes his place. And it's just this beautiful journey. And it's just this beautiful metaphor of who we are as God's people, taking each step of our pilgrimage each and every way and every day, never doing it alone. And Patrick, the friend who does the pushing, he says, you know, we all have our peaks to climb. And we all have our challenges to face. And we all have our limitations. And yet, as we journey together as God's people... We put one foot in front of the other, knowing the support that's behind us, being able to carry on. And I think that is what, who we are as God's people. And the, the picture that was put up there, when you get into Santiago, whether you've gone 500 miles or whether you've gone 78 miles, you come into this beautiful plaza that's um, ancient plaza, probably the cathedral there is I think 11th century, 13th century. Anyway, beautiful, beautiful stonework, you know, that vision. And over one of the doors, there it is, over one of the doors, does anybody read ancient Greek? You've heard perhaps that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, what was and is to come. Have you heard that? From Revelation, I believe. This stone carving, this mason work, says that Jesus is the omega and the alpha. Meaning that one journey ends and another journey begins. Meaning that when we've completed this trek, this pilgrimage, 500 miles, 78 miles, in a chair, on foot, running, whatever, it doesn't matter. There was one guy that did the, the pilgrimage with us, staunch Catholic. He carried rocks in his backpack because that's what the ancient pilgrims used to do. Anyway, doesn't matter how you get there, how you come to that point. But what we know is that God 
meets us at the beginning of one time and leads us into the other. And when one thing ends, God is ready to begin something new and to do something new. And we can count on God being faithful in the new because God has been faithful before. And we can believe that this omega, as we draw to the close, will sustain the alpha. And whatever comes next. And the prophet said it long ago. And the people of God following Christ picked it up for a new day. And the people of God picked it up and followed the Holy Spirit in our day. And the pilgrimage, the trek continues going different ways and different modes but all the while sustaining one another, all the while serving one another, looking to what it is God is moving towards so that we can go with him. Looking for what it is, how it is God will choose to work in and through us. People of God, have you not known? Have you not heard all that God has done in the past, that God has taken those who were scornfully regarded and lifted us up, forgiven us when we needed it, and compelled us to go forward? Do you not know? Have you not heard? God is still at work. Thank you, Lord, for who you've been, who you are, and for who you will be. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, we do come before you this day, some of us at the end of something, some of us at the beginning, some of us at the end of our summer where we've had vacation and some of us moving on into school, back to school, have gone back to school last week. God, you are a God of starts and stops, of endings and beginnings. You are a God of firsts and lasts and lasts and first. And what we know to be true based on our faith what we know to be true, Lord, is that you have been with us this far, that you are with us now, and that you go before us into the day that you have prepared. God, help us to be faithful. Forgive us as needed. And by your Spirit, continue to lead us forward. For it's in the name of Christ that we not only pray, it's in the name of Christ that we go. Amen. I do encourage you to get the book or look at the documentary, uh, the TED Talk, either one. It's just this great story of God's faithfulness and humanity's persistence and how those two can work together to create each day that comes and to be part of what God wants us to do in this world. Great book called I'll Push You. But now go forth with the knowledge that God goes with you. And what has been gives you hope for what will be. Let us go in the grace of God. Amen.